So, so it's day six on the Ram the Porter ship, and uh, we have a special guest, Aaron Butler from uh, Waterford. And uh, it was about eight years ago I met him in um, met him in Australia, um, when we started living the dream. So, an interesting topic that have came up today. We says we'll give you a special guest, a once-off podcast with Captain Dara Carroll, me, Glenn O'Reilly Murray, and Aaron Butler. And it's more aimed at the freedom. You know, a lot of people. Um, don't think it's it's possible to to live this dream, live this life. Um, and I left Dublin, Ireland, in 2012. With um, I was on welfare. I was I was dropped out of college. I was in a bad place with drink, and I was suffering from mental illness. Didn't even know I was suffering. So um, I left, and I I personally just found myself, you know, um, hard work. I couldn't pick up a tool. And the first time I met Aaron was in um, a firm, Tyson Demolition, and I was the skinniest. I I couldn't work me me balls literally everyone was was much bigger than me and um but i would i would try i would work my balls off and then they would they would put me in in the lift and people people want to see that hard work um more than than anything else so uh we talk with, with, with aaron aaron's been working his balls off he's uh he's studying to be a counselor now and he's also done a lot with construction so um just talk about aaron uh the work ethic towards let's talk about toys and demolition and Wollongong because so if you talk about Wollongong Wollongong I met I met Glenn and uh, we were travelling up four hours was it four hours yeah four, four hours, hours four, four and a half hours four or five hours a day there and back yeah to Wollongong in Sydney say 14 hours work there in the day man I tell you what it was full on and like we just I didn't know anything other than just work you know what I mean but I tell you what Sydney's shown me that there's there's another there's another side to, to life, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it's not all about work. I left Ireland like after recession here. Yeah. To go try get stay there. I was gonna stay in Australia, get to work, get sponsored, work me bollocks off, all that shit, man. But when I went over there and I seen people travelling like yourself, you know, yeah. just going learning everything, you know, different cultures, different, that, yeah. different cultures, learning skills, going into any jobs, didn't matter what it was. And there's more, because there's more opportunity over there. Loads of opportunity. Yeah. And I just realised that there's actually more to life than just fucking working. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a crazy. And that's the thing I, I find with Dublin. It's like over there, you don't, you don't work as hard. It's like even though it's a forty-hour week, but we worked hard in Wollongong. Yeah. But there is other jobs where you kind of, you know, you're surfing in the day, you're going out, you have a lot more with your money. And with your, with your culture, so talk to you. Got you got sponsored. You got so permanent residency. Yeah, you? so I I went over on a holiday visa. Then I I got had to work hard, got sponsored by Tyson, and then uh, became a permanent resident when I was up in up in up in Brisbane. Yeah, and just mainly working in construction. In construction it? through bricklaying, basically yeah, they yeah. needed bricklayers over there. So and you were you were fully in the fully, trade of yeah, bricklaying before you went over. Or? Yeah, yeah, fully qualified. Fully qualified. Yeah, that's how yeah. I was able to stay there or whatever. Yeah, but like. I thought that's what it is. I go over work. That's it. You live the dream in Australia, but like, it's it's not really like it's not really all about that. You know what I mean? No. You no. constantly yeah. walk a living week by week as well. It's like oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's full on. Like you know, it is full on. Yeah, I think I think when walk walkers either dries up or you either have so much of it. Like one week, one week we could do one hundred twenty hours in Wollongong, yeah. and then the next day is like then. fifteen hours, and it's yeah. nuts. So uh, you mentioned that you know you were on the boat. You've lived this free life, Mexico, Canada, Peru, um. Then you sail from Norway to uh, to Dublin, and you were just talking about. We were talking, by the way, uh, Matthew, another fella on the ship, <laughs> he got freaked out over the, the storm that we caught in yesterday, and he did a runner. Um, 
yeah, he had it, and Dara nearly killed him. He had a mini heart attack, but um, he's gone. But um, we talk, you know, it came up about, you know, we were talking, Matt just going home for a shower and a bath and uh, to go back to, you know, comfortable. Um, and I feel quite quite dirty, you know, you're being honest, we're shitting off the boat, you know, <laughs> my teeth is fluffy, but we are feasting with fondue. But Dara mentioned, you know, he only left the boat after sailing for months, he left the boat and he was sitting in his uh, family's house and he mentioned, he was just dying to get back to the freedom. So talk about freedom and to you, what you live like this, you know, what, what, does, what does it mean to you? Yeah, so it, I was always on this journey, you know, journey and on the boat. I go back and you know, there's celebration when I go home and with the family and everything, but I was still, still on the boat in a sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, and still with the freedom of being able to move and being able to change and being able to keep going on an adventure. So, where I went then I went home and I was kind of back in the house and back in the house was great because I was get to meet the parents and live with the parents for a while and I'd miss them a lot like you know but then I was kind of back in to say a place where everyone has kind of living on a normal life and you're kind of not living that normal life you're living a whole you're living the dream life which is yeah. not easy. It's not like living yeah. the dream, as, as in it's an, a picture of a dream, but it's a lot of hard work behind it. But you're living so abstract. This fantasy, yeah, yeah. Fantasy to the, world, to yeah. the normal. Then when you get back into the normal, it's very hard to settle down when you start getting back into normal because your mind is going and you're going, all right, am I going to settle back into my house? Am I going to get a job? Am I going to start living in my house again and start going back five years to where I started or do you keep dreaming yeah and keep confident in those dreams not to let off because it's very easy to let off and just say here just give up on all these and dreams go and just, and go just back, start yeah, working yeah. for someone else and get back into the routine of you know Monday to Friday well mine work day be Wednesday to Sunday yeah and yeah. you have your two days off you have a blowout on your two days Living when you're off yeah. and then you're kind of back in the circle. So then, as soon as I got back, even though I loved my family, missed them incredibly along the way, I still had this itchy feet yeah. that I had to be somewhere else. But not as if I'm chasing somewhere else, that when I find somewhere else, I'm like, oh, then I need somewhere else. It's just that I love the adventure of new things. Yeah. New Being a free positive spirit. places. Yeah. People. New people, new creative minds that are then excelling your creative minds and your visions are bouncing off each other. You're working together. You're creating a web. Then your network is kind of working. You're learning new things about your mind, your body. And for me to be in the system is to me just to dilute what I could do. And to just settle would be for me not to reach my full potential. It would be just for me to say, this is it. And this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Now, some people are happy with that. Some people yeah. are very happy with that. They yeah, yeah. they settle down and they they enjoy the routine. But for for, for me, I I get itchy and I, I'm like, I need to know something more. But even though some you can know so much, but then you realize you know you so much know that enough. you'll you never know, know enough. enough. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but I'm still comfortable with just the journeying and not trying to learn too much, but just just enjoying the present, putting yourself in the new environments, new challenges, pushing your kind of mind body to different environment awkward situations things will always go wrong because people are in fear that things are going to go wrong if they try these things people are in fear that oh if i do this 
they'll always tell you ten things that go wrong before they'll tell you five things that's gonna yeah, go right. Yeah. So for me, those two things that one person might say might go right, I would go without with that one. Rather than the ten people that'll tell you this is not gonna work. Because even when I was getting the boat, they were all like, This is not gonna work, this is not gonna work, this is not gonna work. In my head I said, I've listened to a lot of older people. Yeah. But when they're ingesting fear into me, I stop listening straight away. Yeah, and if, if you try it, and it doesn't work, at least you'll learn anyway, what? You'll learn from your mistakes, and that's your biggest learner. Yeah. And your biggest tutor is, failure is the ultimate goal. Mm. As in, your failures will be your biggest successors. Yeah. In the future. So, for me, putting myself in the awkward situations where I'm like, this is boundary line, like this could either go well or it could go disasterly wrong. But then in my mind, I'm like, right, if it does go disasterly wrong, where do I stand? Then I stand as a person who tried. Yeah. And I can't stand... You're getting those experiences, man. Like those Life experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Life experience, yeah. That's what we're here for. That's what I believe, anyway. Yeah. It's experiences. But it's the same. I, I left in, in 2012 and I kind of struggled to fit in. I, I never really understood myself and nobody kind of, you know, got me, especially now after being diagnosed with ADHD and OCD plus, if you like. And, and I found what amused me most, like, if I... In big cities coming from Dublin, you know, if I'm in in Australia, if I'm in New York or, or wherever, if I talk to a person at a bar, if I'm on my own, finding myself on my own, people start coming up to you when you're on your own. You know, they're interested. What what the hell are you doing in Cambodia and other places like that? And then it's like, it's almost a fairy tale world that doesn't exist to the human eye. Like, you have a best friend every day, you're meeting a new person that's on the same journey, that you're going there, same experience, and all of a sudden, when you've no money, he's helping you. And he's he, he's leaving his almost legacy behind. He's leaving like his contact, you know. And then I started, like I met at the start, say, in Sydney. I met these two guys, Raffo and Adam. And they had come back from... I started obsessing, you know, about all these other people. They're going to Asia, they're going to this, that. And I wanted to see the world. And I met these guys and they gave me contact for... Uh, they like, had came back from travelling with circus at like carnival. And they like saved 10,000 euro. So I was like, the actual years, this fairy tale. This, it's like a dream. Is this actually happening? And then I would obsess and I'd constantly ring that number. I'd constantly get, get contact, calling her. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months later, I'm traveling the west coast of Australia with a carnival circus. And then the list is going on. You're planting seeds and you're making, you're meeting people that go into Darwin, working on crocodile farm. And why I live like that, I, it makes me personally feel alive. Like you look at, um, like recently when Hitchhiking New Zealand, yeah? And Dara, you've done a lot of hitchhiking as well. It's when I'm when I'm on the side of the road hitchhiking. I'm referring to hitchhiking. Now a lot of people we don't we don't a lot of people don't understand the process of of hitchhiking. Say they think because you know if you have loads of money, why it's kind of classed as gypsies or bums that they do it. But there's more to that. I've met so many inspirational people from hitchhiking that have gave me work. That have like even I hitchhiked um, four thousand k up towards Alaska for. And some fellow says, like, um, you know, you need to go to this place, Dawson City, right? And Dawson City's 24-hour sunlight. I didn't know this place exists until I got in his car. And he had, like, a peg leg. And he's telling me, they're going to love your energy up there. And this is type is crazy. And then he's buying us Easter eggs. And he's looking at me, da. <laughs> and all this doing, I'm, I'm telling him this story. And then you go up there and, you know, there was icebergs on the side of the river and all this. All this crazy stuff was unfolding. And I go into... Went to a bar and I meet this fella, get 
set a tent up on the side of the river when it was freezing. And all of a sudden, the next day I go into this, this Randy Bay and he says, how do you know Tola Shashuku? And I say, I work with him in Cambodia. He says, I went to school with him, so like, there's a job for you. And he, he called him, so the universe is unfolding. And again, back to what, what you were saying, Dara, it's, it's not that I'm looking down on anybody that lives the nine to five or, or do that. It's like people would say, I'm crazy to me. I, I couldn't wake up nine to five, go to do a job that's that's not for me because cause my energy, I, I couldn't do it. To me, when I'm on this boat, like now I've laid in 20 euro left and we're having fun do, we're living the dream. We have Aaron here, Aaron's at the bone is a bottle of uh, Sauvignon Blanc and we're at the feasting and we're having great chat up on the same level and to me, like, that sort of freedom is, it makes me feel alive. Like, like with the homelessness, say, where people suffering with addiction, with mental health, when I'm on the side of the road or when I'm with, with people like you two, I feel happy and I feel that I can be myself, that it's 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 not not fake, you know, and it's, um, that to me is, is what more, and when, without being too cliche, talking fucking Rolling Stone stuff, but when I'm, when I'm on my, my deathbed, whatever, I met, like, without rambling on too much, these boys here is gonna need ice cubes, because I talk some amount of, I talk some amount of pony, but I remember, I met this girl in Cambodia, right, I was living in Cambodia, being a, being a party promoter, and I was, um, I met this, uh, met this, I was kind of, seen a few girls and kind of playing the field it was like a party from all you know in cambodia and this this girl this 80 year old 90 year old woman walks by the bar now the place i was living was chinookville it was a shithole like seedy drugs party town and i couldn't understand i couldn't believe me eyes what the fuck was a 90 year old woman doing in in party like town. in a party town and she's like right come here i'm gonna tell you my story so we went into the bar and all the beautiful women that i was chasing at the time was under the influence didn't really understand me that much forgot about them sat down with this woman and there's nothing better than a knowledgeable powerful woman and i says i need to know your bleeding story because when i'm 80 90 i want to be running amok in the middle of a shanty town of cambodia like you so a sister a sister says to me says right sit down we get a few espresso martinis into us she's telling the story yeah and she says she says right glenn this my sister found a lump on her breast and was supposed to be cancer and she was gonna fucking she was they thought she was gonna die so they went to they went to the hospital to get the results yeah and when they were there the sister had the results in her hands right she was holding the results and the sister says sister says to the the her sister with the breast the the lump on her breast says what would you do if you were told you've only a few weeks to live if you're gonna die she says right and the sister says i would sell me a house my biggest regret is not living the dream after my husband died 10 years ago. And the sister says to her, Roy, let's get the fuck out of hospital and sell your house. And the girl was like, what? I've, I've lump on me, a cyst of, of cancer. She says, no, you don't. She says, it's just it's just a cyst. So what I took from that, as you were saying, Arden, yeah. what I learned from that is, yeah. why would you wait till you're deathbed to do what you love? Now I know, again, I'm not being cliche or being pretentious. There's people there working their bollocks off and doing all these jobs. I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm I'm very grateful. I'm blessed. I'm at the living the dream seven eight years, and I can come. I can come back, and have like a chance at like Trinity College, the best education. So I'm blessed, but I'm saying it's not too late, is it, to do what you love? So what what anything else, Dara? You have bleeding stories for twenty seven years. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just like following your heart takes courage, and it takes confidence. Yeah. And I think a lot of young people today, they're looking at other people, but they're comfortable kind of doing 
what they're doing. And once they get into the comfort, see, it's comfort that gets into the system, the system or systematic thinking. And then the system can become overwhelming at times, just as traveling can. So for young people today coming up, have the to for them to have the courage is for them to know the courage, like people like us that have done it. Yeah, li- yeah. And to not have fear within your ambitions. Like, hold your ambitions and hold them with confidence, no matter who tells you what. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're, even if your parents, everyone around you, no one says that you can do this. Yeah. You need to have the inner ambition, because the inner ambition and the holding that vision, holding that clear in your head, no one else can carry that. You can get hit, you can get hit from every angle. Everyone's going to tell you, otherwise, you're going to get hit so many times. But if you can hold that vision and hold it with confidence, with fearlessness and with full faith that you will achieve it, you will go there. Yeah. And it won't be as easy as you think. It'll be the hardest thing you'd ever do, yeah. And it'll be just as hard as staying in the system. Because staying in the system, you're going to have all these thoughts in your head of what you could do. And that'll be just as hard as going through those awkward times, those bad times, those bad times are going to happen anyway, no matter what. But it depends on what way those bad times, if those bad times happen and you know you're following your heart, those bad times... Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter because you know you were the only one who went that way. Even if it, if it ends bad, you learn from it and yeah. you grow. And I think, I think this, is, this is an interesting one because... Many times I've failed with jobs, so many times, but I've left a trail behind me. Like, if I basically was off my fucking rocker on drink, didn't think I had a problem, and then I fucked up so many amazing opportunities with work, whatever, but, like, I failed. And, like, let's say I moved to a place, but the last place where I was, I had a contact, was very fortunate to go back there. And then the thing is what you're saying there, like, the worry of, like, what if it doesn't work out? But if it doesn't work out, you'll never know. You'll be in the same place. You can go back to, like prefer Dublin and Waterford you leave Dublin and Waterford and if it doesn't work out at least you tried whatever but work ethic I think personally speaks yourself like you you were sponsored yeah and work ethic you were working what were you doing you were bricklaying bricklaying yeah but I, like I had the blinkers on you know when I came over uh, over to Australia I thought that was it like I was just going to be full blown working you know what yeah, I mean yeah. but I was meeting people like yourselves you know what I mean just travelling through like people from all over the world meeting yeah. them in, in hostels and I was there like there's more to this like than just there's more to life you know yeah, what I mean yeah. there's more to this these people are coming over and are just getting pure life experience you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so it showed me a lot like so when I came back I just want all I want to do is just see places you know what I mean and just try and live as fully as possible and yeah. as present as possible yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so that that's an interesting one Aaron because I, I the three of us are from Ireland right and um, we were talking on the boat a lot about Dara was um and other people, Matthew was like, there's a lot, kind of a stigma, I think, around Australia, and you'll understand this more than anyone. A lot of people is like, ah, it's overrated, or or I wouldn't go there. But the thing is, look, look what you're saying about, about hustle life. I met a fella, this is kind of funny, right? I met a guy in, in Australia. The first week when I was doing construction, right? The first week in Australia in 2012. And then I left, yeah? I went. And I done all this crazy stuff, right? I've done, like, worked on banana farms, hitchhiked, Cro- uh, crocodile farms, traveling with carnivals, meeting so much people, and also networking, getting contacts for for Canada, 
for living in Asia. And then I came back and I, I met, randomly met the same fella two years later. And to me, it was like, again, not saying I'm better than anybody or I've lived, he, he didn't. But it's so easy in Sydney or in Australia to get caught up in that circle. You know, you can't because it's, it's so expensive. So he, he basically was asking me about his, his my, my journey. So I was like, I spilled it out. I was so full of energy, so passionate talking about being blessed with the journey that I had. And then I asked him, and I was expecting him to have the same story. And I was so excited. And then he says, Glenn, I'm just fucking, I just stayed in Sydney drinking two bars. And I felt like a pretentious prick. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like mm -hmm. this egotistic bastard. I was like, fuck, I should have asked him first. Yeah, yeah. But if you go over there, to Australia or if you go anywhere with the mentality of you know sitting in the same in the Irish bars yeah. you know walking with, with Irish because you learn from other cultures like as what you're saying with hostels and like Dara you've learned so much from other cultures so with cultures like even cooking like from other cultures what what do you think about from other cultures yeah I remember I was uh, hitchhiking in California and I was there, I, I met a fella on a beach in Vancouver and we were having the crack on the beach, and your man was like, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flight to San Francisco in five days, and I think I'm gonna hitchhike back." Yeah, this this geezer said, "Yeah." Yeah, and I said, "In five days, I had nothing going on." I said, "Fuck it, I'll go with you." <laughs> we all, we only met each other that day, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Went to San Francisco, hitchhiking too, and anyway, we were hitchhiking too. But there was one time. All was going well, it was all going landy dandy and then we were sitting on the highway. A fella from a weed farm picked us up and he had to live us leave us off in the middle of nowhere because he couldn't bring us anywhere near the farm because he didn't want us to know where the farm was. So he left leaves us off in the middle of nowhere. Like I dog in the in middle. In San Francisco. Of, in San Fr it was the route one from San Francisco up through the very the coastline uh California. Yeah, yeah. Route one is the the most coastal road that goes up yeah. straight up to Vancouver from San Francisco. And we're going up that and your man drops us off in the middle of nowhere. And we we're like, how are we gonna get a job? But we had food in the bag, we had tents, we went up into the woods, set up camp, got out back out the So next yeah, day. Well, well you had you had food and you had tents, so you you were safe. You we were, were safe. You could have so, gone anyway. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking we'll, 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 we'll get a ride the next day, no problem. Like yeah. be grand. We went out the next day, didn't we know we were in a bit of a redneck territory where hitchhiking wasn't necessarily acceptable and not <laughs> necessarily, you know, like it was a bit further from California, right up north. And uh, we're there for another day, uh, sitting outside trying to hitchhike. There's people putting their fingers up at us and we're going, bollocks, fuck, what are we going to do? This is not good vibes for hitchhiking, like, you know, what are we going to do? And... We're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're sitting there. Everyone is driving past, driving past, driving past. Frowns, frowns, frowns. And we're going, bollocks, like we could be here for a long time. And a beating heat, like sun is pumping down. We we were just like, should we just leave the tents popped up? Because this is not working. You know, we had a local river. We were doing a bit of fishing, gave up on hitchhiking for a while. We were there for three days, stuck in that spot. And then an RV pulls up and we are like, we are getting in that RV no matter what we are getting in. So we didn't care. We, your man pulled over. We jumped in the back like a light. Like, you know, we jumped in the back, closed the door, not to know that there was no handle on the other side of the door. <laughs> <laughs> and then the smell, as soon as you got in, 
just feces. Shit, man. What's feces? Feces, feces oh, shit, shit and piss. Ah, oh, right? stop. And your man jumps in. He's like, all right, lads. Eyes blumped out of it, whacked on meth crack off his tits like you know we looked at the back of the truck there's a big fat woman sprawling all over herself in the back <laughs> right? the boy did the rider no I fucking didn't ride it <laughs> <laughs> I was shitting myself like as soon as I seen what was going on in the room I was like bollocks man to be kidnapped and then your man gets in and he is wired to the moon like very aggressive he's like I only got out probation two months ago. I got these seven niggas trying to shoot my ass for the past two weeks. And I'm like, no way. He's like, look at the back of the car. There's bullet holes in the back of the car. And we're like, no way. We look at the back of the car. There's fucking bullet holes in the back of the RV. We're going bollocks. And there's a fucking unconscious woman in the back of the car. So and, then this, and you met. This is from a guy from just sitting on the beach, meeting a guy, just going to San Francisco and just... Chasing that dream till the stars come up, man. Yeah, yeah, we were hitchhiking. It was fine the whole way. We were meeting loads of very interesting people. But then we got stuck in this spot and we couldn't get a lift. And we never had a chat with your man because we were so drained. We just, as soon as he pulled up, said jump in the back. We jumped in the back. And they were like, oh, fuck. Jesus, man. What did we just jump into? It's <laughs> mad. And dude. then the woman wakes up at the back of the truck. She's like, she's been stuck in the truck, you ran kidnapped her. And we're like, no, I didn't kidnap you. Like, fuck. She's like, she's like, he's been keeping me in here. He's been feeding me drugs. And we're like, no, no, he hasn't been there that. Like, fuck. And your man's like, shut the fuck up. And he's throwing things, not looking at the road, swerving from side to side. And throwing everything at her. Shut the fuck up, you fucking bitch. I got friends over here. And we're like, no, we're not friends. Well, I don't know. We can be a friend. That could be fine. Like, if you let us out of the truck. And <laughs> there's no town for at least five hours. So we're going, this is going to be mental five hours in this car. He's high off his tits. There could be someone that's going to shoot up the whole RV. We're in the fucking back being like, bollocks. And then your man, you know, he's, he's looking at us and you could tell by his eyes, he could click in an instant. If we said anything wrong, I was about to yeah, get yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah, fucking... You know, you know, you know the, one of those nets, fellas, like, yeah. he was he was ready to... He was looking for something. Yeah, you know, yeah, And he, yeah. you could tell he was Smack looking at energy, us. Yeah. And uh, with me and your man are trying to keep it cool, two of us shaking like leaves. You know what I mean? Because you're one and still... And she's like pretending to call the, poli- the police... It's like, I got the police coming. They're coming to get you, you motherfucker. <laughs> you've been keeping me for here for too long. And we're like, no, how long has he been keeping you here for? Like, how long were you in this for? Fuck. <laughs> and your man, we're trying to keep it cool. Your man, we're like, he's like asking us random stuff, like where we're from and everything. And we're like, yeah, we're just traveling. Like, nicely traveling, not like this kind of traveling. Like, what the fuck is wrong with Man, it's, um... Hitchhiking one is, is it's a funny one, but I, I get, I actually, you obviously get a kick out of it because even yeah. you're so passionate when you're speaking about that story, that's fucking nuts of a few, but I don't think they, they come close. I was in, I was in New Zealand and um, kind of fella Romeo, he's like my little brother, but he's also my big brother because he's more intelligent than me. But um, basically, we were hitchhiking the whole of New Zealand, yeah? And I tried to be the smarty pants and take a shortcut around the New going through this like these farm roads you know where there's not that much traffic so this fella says was yeah we drop you down down the end of the road everything be fine you know so we get stuck there and we just got stuck on a sweet potato farm for a week yeah 
like a whole week on a sweet potato farm now i know my sound sound funny it's not that bad but when you're on a fucking sweet potato farm for a week and you can't get off that road no water no houses just a sweet potato farm for for miles we were staying there so anyway we had to hitchhike back to to the town we hitchhiked them back and this car pulls in and he's like get the fuck in the car get the fuck in the car and we're like oh he's like you know what the fuck <laughs> this cunt why is he speaking but then i actually thought obviously my mind goes all the time constantly it's like a ferrari with bicycle bikes and then he says he says he was on the phone to a pastor or, or someone out of church and he's always like what you were saying i don't know i I never done drugs so i don't know couldn't say what he was on but he definitely was on something that wasn't the ground anyway he was like <laughs> but he's always just popping and then he's like he says thank you thank you on the phone i was about to gouge people's eyes out or i was thinking about gouging people's eyes out right and I was like, oh, Jesus, did I hear that? But I didn't say that because I thought I was hearing voices. I was like, you can't be in this, whatever. But yeah, like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And then, then um, Luke Romeo was at the front of the uh, at the front of the car and he's stabbed me on the shoulder and he put his seatbelt. So it actually was happening. And he's still, then he's calling back and all, like, I need to, you know, speak to the chosen one, God, because I really, I really, but he's talking so openly. Like, I really don't want to gouge people eyes out. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to fucking, I'm going to have to strangle him. But even when, if you're that mentally ill, if you're that, there's something, like, if he's it's actually talking normally about that. Yeah, just, like, like ah, goes in people's eyes out like he's making meatballs, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I was like, I was like, what the fuck? So anyway, we're driving, and then he pulls in and locks the doors. And then he started talking about Jewish camps and about, but in a negative way, about they deserve it. <laughs> and then he started talking about, the Rockefellers, you know, and all this stuff. But I, I'm not educated around that, so I don't know. And Luke was there with his head, but he's always and I was looking, looking at Luke, and he just like it looked like he was gonna kiss him or kill him. I didn't really know. And from that, you know, people's like people are a lot of skeptical about the hitchhiking side of it. From them stars, you know, it's very dangerous. But I think it's like you could, you could die crossing the road. Life is is yeah. way too short. So you're never safe, man. No, you're never, never safe. safe. So no so live it in, in in the fast lane, you know. Fucking go out with a band, but it was there. But after it, I was like, my heart was racing. I was like, that cunt is going going to follow us. And on that road in New Zealand, don't know where it was, because I thought New Zealand's the most normal place ever. You don't have, you wouldn't have serial killers or, well, I mean, it could be anywhere. But I mean, yeah. didn't think it was that bad. And then some fella pulls in. Best way to describe him, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy wrote all over him, right? <laughs> he pulls in. And me and Luke is very similar to energy and feeling the universe and we talk the same, you know? And all of a sudden, this car pulls in like a family wagon at the back of the wooden seats, whatever, and he had like a fake fringe glued back with like big foggy old eighties glasses. Hey guys, get in, get the fuck in now. And Luke Luke was like turned around and he's like, Glenn, I'm not getting in the car. Can you can you feel that? That guy is definitely has skeletons in his closet or something he's up to no good and it's just that is but then then when you're hitchhiking the whole thing with me i just literally you can't judge people like that because not everybody is going to be like him do you know what i mean and yeah, then I, when yeah. you're on the side of the road you know we could have gotten the bus and we could have gotten gotten planes to fly over the other parts of it but there's no fun in that I wanted so then after after the positive side after I was talking about serial killers and murders yeah. and <laughs> fruit loops the positive side was i met this fella called them um, barney and we're on the side of, of hitchhiking, on the side of the road, and I'm going to have to pull into, I'm going to have to sleep with sheep in the field this night. It's fucked. 
this fan pulls in with a load of mattresses in the back and he's this so much so much positive energy su such such a legend like pulls in he's like well, i'm gonna take you to to the catlins so in new zealand and the catlins it's the bottom of um new zealand there's no wi-fi the nature is next level you go there and you know there's mussels on the beach the fishing is it's it's sick so he brought us there but first of all he says i'm gonna give you the experience that you know give you the new zealand experience so he brought us into his house cooking us up steak at two or three in the morning but having having the banter with him having the chats and having some laugh and then he gave us a secret yeah so from meeting him i wouldn't have never known about the catlins the catlins is in the top three places i've ever been it's like milky ways in the night it's like you look, i was looking at the, the sky right boys and i was looking at the sky and i was looking at his wallpaper it was only short of touching it and then he says i'm gonna give you a secret but you can't tell anybody because if i give you this a lot of people will go in and they can get hurt so there was abandoned assault cars like that was shut down by the army so there's no map around to find this it's shut down so you have to follow the trail that he gave us like this little secret so me and me and macho another french fella that was doing it we end up staying on the beach setting up camp and then the next day we, we made food like nice food end up going on a hike through the jungle and we found this mental abandoned assault course now i wouldn't recommend it because obviously it's so dangerous you know you're not tied into a harness and you're hundreds of feet up in the air but we climbed it just for the crack and we're swinging in the night on swings and the nets big nets and i swing let go next of all there's like possums around me run i didn't know what the fuck so the positive sides of hitchhiking is you get like you get that kind of positive energy mm -hmm. the people that you meet network get your job look after you and we face it on you know muscles but um back to you Arden. you talked about you were like holidays boys that it opened your mind that you wanted um you you kind of like the travel and the, the kind of with a backpack hostels because a lot of people from dublin and Ireland, a lot of people in general in the world they think Hostels is homeless, or I wouldn't stay in twenty-bed dorms yeah. with people. So, but that's all. Why do you? Why do you like that? Too? Why are you interested in that? It's like the same as with the hitchhiking. Like you just don't know who you're gonna meet. You know. Yeah. You just. It's just so many different backgrounds, different people, different occupations. It just opens up your your whole world. You know. Mm. Um. I tell you, I don't have many stories now, like what what you have, but I tell you, the two you are very very inspiring. And you too, bro. You too. But work ethic, because anyone that wants to go to Australia to get, it's not easy to get sponsored, and it's not easy to do that. You have to put whatever you want in life, and that's why the three of us we got on and we're very, we're very similar because it's just to have a good life. It's not going to be handed here. It's no. going to be worked here. But uh, we'll end this uh, podcast on one last story about about hostel life. Um, so boys, this is played mad. So I, I was staying in a twenty bedroom dorm. I was single, and loads of fit boys and all there whatever and uh i checked the hostel every bed to see i was dying for a wank right and <laughs> i checked i checked the uh, the hostel bed to see was everybody gone and there was nobody there so it was it it was sweating it was in australia i was fucking just doing the pull one off you know and um basically started going to town going to harry like literally pulling the belly button on myself whatever see some fella some fella looks over the bed, he's in the bunk bed, bang over me, with the blankets over his head, so I didn't think, I thought there was nobody in the room, and he fucking see me, and I was so embarrassed, he got me wanking, right, but that wasn't the worst part, so the hostel, you know, the two, the 200 people in the hostel, boys, right, was upstairs, 200 people in the, in the hostel, he went up and told everybody, he was like, ah, I'm at the catching this psycho bastard having a wank, so then when I'm going up, I'm going up to 
the stairs to see people. And I'm thinking, I'm getting stuck into women. And I'm thinking life is all fairy, you know, they seven they years ago. And then they all start clapping out, hey, there's the little wanker. I never ever was was read as as like that was in my whole time. Still even embarrassed even talking about it. <laughs>